Your Steve Jones Show podcast will start shortly. The Steve Jones Show podcast is sponsored by Brewers Outlet, your beverage supermarket on Reagan Street in Sunbury. Sports talk where your voice counts. This is the Steve Jones Show on News Radio 1070 WKOK. Now from the Sunbury Motor Studio, here's Steve Jones. Hola, buenos dias. Guten Abend. How are you? Great to be with you on a Friday. Brought to you by Brewers Outlet. Reagan Street in Sunbury, the beverage supermarket. I know many of you have been waiting to celebrate the first ever games of the Alliance of American Football. Have a big party and go to Brewers Outlet and stock up. That's why I was just there a little over an hour ago. And Corey is still talking about it. <laughs> Actually, the first thing I asked if he was in the building, I don't know if he uh, hopped uh, hopped on board a bus to Columbus to see the dual meet in person tonight or not. So. A lot of people have. It's sold out tonight. Yeah. Uh, the uh, it'll be at eight thirty. By the way, it's late. We'll have Jeff Byers on the show today. Brewers Outlet specials now through Tuesday. How about Miller High Life, the champagne of bottled beer, thirty packs, just fourteen ninety five. And Straub, hey, let's keep it local. Twelve pack cans, seven ninety seven. Straub's still St. Mary's, right? St. Mary's Nectar. Oh yeah, that's uh where my new daughter-in-law is from. It's where she lives. Uh, they're getting married. As you know, they're getting married. Chris is getting married in June. And, uh, and the Jones family. Okay, that's fifth and last one. Another summer, another wedding. <laughs> <laughs> yes. At least they've been spread out. At least these last two have been every right. other year. So. Right. Happy days. <laughs> I'm like, okay. <laughs> it's like that day you burnt the mortgage papers. <laughs> no, we haven't quite done. We're, we're like three years away from that. Oh, we're okay. close. Well, we're close. We're close. I'm rooting we're for We're getting you. there. Oh, so am I. Uh, <laughs> you more than me. Yeah. Because. Oh, Meg, Megan's birthday is today, as a matter of fact. Oh, Megan. Happy, happy. Yes, 25. Uh, she is. She was born in a snowstorm, 1994. And it turned out the doctor that Kathy went to actually practiced out of Tyrone. So I'm driving in this blizzard. <laughs> what you know? There were parts of I-99 that were done, parts that weren't at that time. And I'm driving like, and they're thinking, "What am I doing here?" <laughs> so this was not on a basketball game day. So it was an off day. Oh no, it was. No, oh, it was. I, I had to. I had to. Uh, home game? No, it was a road game. I had to miss a game at Wisconsin. Hmm. Well, I mean, you know, had to. I mean, well, you know, sure. You're, you're talking about, you know, you know, right? And uh, one time you called to the bullpen, absolutely. Yeah, I did. I, and Bud Tom was like, he says, "You be with that baby, right?" And then uh, I'm driving down there, but I'm thinking because when I get on the highway to leave, I go right past Mount Nittany Medical Center. I'm thinking, you know, we couldn't have gone there. <laughs> I made it there easy enough. <laughs> but hey. Turned out perfectly, no issues. But yeah, there's one more, one more Jones wedding. It's like when Megan graduated from college. 
I said, uh, we're going to have a party for you. I said, but I just want you to know that since you were the fifth and the last one to graduate from college, yeah, I said, I just want you to know that the party is for me. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, you know how much I kid around with my kids. That's right. (laughs) Really, I kid around with my kids all the time. We laugh a lot. (laughs) All right. Now, I'm, I'm extremely fortunate, extremely fortunate. They're awesome kids uh, who have become outstanding young adults. Thank God for their mother. All right, so. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Dad. <laughs> no, I don't think they dispute that. No. <laughs> Mom's the greatest. You know? uh, <laughs> when's your next road? When's your next road trip, Dad? <laughs> well, it's funny, you know. But you know what's funny about that is that somebody was asking my son Dan, and Dan listens. To the, Dan's up in 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 New Hampshire, Boston, all the time. Yeah, you know, that's where he lives. But he listens to the show all the time. And somebody who was working with him asked him about how tough was it that your father was just on the road all the time. And he says, well, he just go out one night, come back, one night, come back. He says, gee, he coached us in baseball. He coached us in basketball. He said, he, said, he was always out in the yard doing something with us. He says, <laughs> he said he went, he, I, think, I think they thought that our schedule is like an NBA schedule. Or an NHL schedule, or Major League Baseball, or all of a sudden the road, you know you're on that you know nine to twelve game road trip in baseball. You're on that six to seven game road trip in the NBA. And I think I think his friend had a misconception that he says he says no, he's around all the time. He's always doing stuff with us. He says he never missed any of my basketball or baseball games. He never missed any of Mike's football games, which I didn't. I didn't miss. I didn't mess one. The only thing I ever missed, and it was it was because of a fluke. But I missed it. We were playing a basketball game at Michigan, and my daughter Jen, my oldest, had a piano recital. And it was an afternoon game. And Penn State plays the recital was in the evening. It was a Sunday. The recital was in the evening, like at six o'clock or six thirty, something like that. And we had a mechanical on the plane because we were going to get back by four. Like four thirty, the tri- flight from Michigan's only an hour, and so I, that's the one thing I missed. And as you can tell to this day, it still bugs me. But that—that's the one thing I missed when she did had her piano recital. I missed that, and I missed it because of mechanical on the plane. Yeah, I know that happens, but it's one of those like, uh, so yeah, vote, you know. I've always tried to be there. I mean, my grandson plays games now. I go. I've already told my son, Mike, that my, my grandchildren up in New York, I said, hey, when they do something, like like his first game, grand, grand, you know, the grandfather's going to be there. Not unless you're physically able to. And as people may want to ask on this show if I'm mentally able to. No. <laughs> uh I mean, I'm not going to sit there and, and and blow off what my children or grandchildren do, like like, you know. I'm sorry, you have a shikalimi game. I can't go. I mean, it's like, I mean, you have some people like that. 
Who's that? Who would do that? Who would? Who could it be now? Who could it be? <laughs> I'm going on sabbatical. What? Oh, okay. Sabbatical. <laughs> I was like, I'm on a sabbatical. To do what? <laughs> I'm going to be there for my son. <laughs> and he was. You know what? And yes. for those who don't know, the suit is Kevin Herr. Yes. Uh, who, who We call him the suit because he transferred from this show to the sales department, which is the jacket and tie crew. So we call him the suit. And he missed an entire season of Shikolemi football, which I think was their best in years. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> so he could be at every high school game on a Friday night to see his son's senior year, which is really actually extremely admirable, even though it drove management nuts. Now, I will say this. When he made that move, <laughs> boy, was Mike Fralazzo good. All right. So... <laughs> Actually, he was just in the building earlier this week. We had some... Uh, For Lazo? Uh, yes, he was. Oh, yeah, with his, uh, with his PR work at Bucknell University. We had a Bucknell guest on On the Mark earlier this week. So Mike oh. was here to uh, oh, document Mike. it for Bucknell Social Media. I, I missed him. I was not I, in the I, building. Mike, I didn't get a chance to cross Mike. paths with Mike and catch up. But Mike listens to the show. Mike, 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 are you sorely missed on Fridays? All right, so... Uh, <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, wrestling tonight, we have Jeff Byers on the show. He'll join us from Columbus, where he's earning more Hilton Garden points. Uh, we will also, let's see, um, see, what did you have lined? I just want to make sure I'm not skipping on something you had lined up. I'm good today. Uh, well, I wouldn't brag. I'm great today. <laughs> I wouldn't really brag. I'm outstanding today. I'm terrific. I'm awesome. <laughs> and so uh, are you. Yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, and Greg Pickle on recruiting, PennLive.com, Patriot News. Oh, great. We had Greg on the presser with uh, James Franklin earlier this week. Yes. So we'll have him on the show. We'll have him next half hour, Jeff at 4.06. And then we cap it with the king. Yeah. Interesting. James Franklin brought up something I thought that was very interesting. He is somebody that does a lot of reading. He is always looking for best practices. And he brought up this week about studying college basketball with all the rules changes they've had to go through. And obviously you and I both know he does a lot of reading because guess what he does with some of the stuff he reads? He sends it to me. (laughs) Okay. And Sean knows because Sean controls my Twitter account. <laughs> Sean will forward it forward to me in case Steve going. You better go in here. James sent you a private message. Yes, we need some uh, information between the uh, last regular season game and the bowl game. Yes, we'll leave it at that. We've had several things. Yes, <laughs> that have been that have been sent to me through him on, on the on the backdoor channel. Uh, or he'll just call me or text me, hey, check this out, whatever. Now my buddies that are Penn State fans that are hearing or li- listening to this live or going to the podcast, they're going to say, oh, what did you hear from Coach? <laughs> Cat could be out of the bag. So, yeah. Uh, keep her close uh, to the best. <laughs> but, uh, so, but I know what he's reading a lot of the time. Not always, but he'll say, hey, Steve, check this out. Steve, you need to look at this. Right, I mean, it'll be a series of things. It could be in recruiting, it could be in facilities, it could be in best practices, it could be whatever. So he's been looking at college basketball. And college basketball is interesting because he was talking about adapting. 
And Duke is the one that you look at that has adapted. Duke, I mean, you're, you had early entries all over the lot in college basketball. Not necessarily, not one and duns, but early entries. Dating back to the 70s and Spencer Hayward, for God's sakes. Then, you know, then high school guys could do it, so forth, bypass college. Duke never had an early entry until after the 1999 season, which was Mike's, what, maybe 20th season at Duke? 19th, 20th season at Duke at the time? He finally had an early entry when Kevin Freeman, who's now the assistant coach here at Penn State, Kevin Freeman and UConn beat Mike's team in the championship game down in St. Petersburg. And Eldon Brand opted to go early to the NBA draft after that game. It's the first guy that ever did it. Christian Leitner, four-year player. Grant Hill, four-year player. Bobby Hurley, four-year player. You keep going through all of them. And to make him feel better, Jay Billis, four-year player. Uh, <laughs> right? And they that's the way it was. Well, now the cycle of early entry, early entry, early entry, you know, and Duke still had success. You know, Duke was always the team that would go out there instead of saying, Duke, you might as well put a target there because, that, I mean, that was the biggest game on everybody's schedule. And he still won championship here, championship there. Awesome. But finally, you know, in Kentucky, went all in on one and dunce. And John Calipari made no secret. He not only embraced it, he promoted it. Mike Krzyzewski then made the transition that he, too, would bring in as many one-and-dones. I mean, I was I was sitting there at the Mohegan Sun getting ready to do the Penn State-Duke game in 2016. It was the 16-17 season, 2016. So I'm getting ready to do the Penn State-Cincinnati game, or the Penn State-Duke game. And walking by me, Harry Giles, Jason Tatum, <laughs> like him. There's a million dollars worth of talent walking past the, the old broadcast location right now. <laughs> they were all one and done. They were all in the next draft. Williams, Frankie Williams, like ye gad. Right? But they were all one and done. What's interesting though about college basketball is this: in this era of one and done, what do five of the last six champions have in common? They're all older teams. Now, I know Louisville had to vacate, but Louisville, UConn, North Carolina, Villanova twice. Five of the last six are one and done. 2015, Duke won it. So last time Duke won it was 15. But five of the six are older teams. Now I took it one step further. Look at who they beat. Five of those six teams, also older teams. Wisconsin, North Carolina, Gonzaga. Right? The only one that wasn't was Kentucky when they lost the national title game. So it is a mix. How do you get to that mix? I think on the offensive line, you want to be as old as possible. Defensive line, I think that as well. You know, anywhere you can be older and experienced is always going to be a plus. Further away from the ball, though, that's where you're looking at the guys that are the one-and-done guys, maybe. Or in college football, three-and-done. And it transfers. The only thing that really bothers me about the rules, above all, is all right. For the moment, I don't. The transfer thing doesn't bother me. For the moment, 
I mean, I've, I, as you know, I've advocated a, an early signing period for college football for 30 years. Because college basketball's had it that long. It worked so well for college basketball, I thought college football should be doing it. And the reason I thought they should be doing it is the guy that wants to sign, absolutely, and there's no question, shouldn't have to endure an entire season of getting called and harassed and harassed and called and you know, the whole thing when they've already made up their mind. You know, they just want to sign and get it done and go on living their lives. That's the only. That's the biggest reason why I've advocated an early signing period. But here's the one, the one part that I'm not comfortable with right now. And this is the part to me that is the free agency part. It's the waivers. Every time you turn around, some guy gets a waiver. That's the free agency part is the waiver part, not the grad transfer part. To me, the grad transfer part is that you have done your job, you have gone out, and you have achieved your degree. To me, you have, quote, fulfilled your contract with said university. You've played for them, and you got and you got your degree, and to me, you've fulfilled the terms. All right, now, hey, look, I'm in my last year. I've done what I needed to do. I've, I've given everything to, to the football or basketball program. I've earned my degree. Okay. If I want to stay, stay. If I want to go, I can go. Okay, I've been okay with that. Now, the idea is you're supposed to transfer as a grad. You know what the key is to that. You're supposed to go someplace that has a program that your existing university does not have. Okay? That is actually the caveat. What I'm getting bothered by are the number of waivers guys are getting. Waiver, waiver, waiver. And the NCAA acts like they're afraid of these guys. Afraid of what? What are you afraid of? If if you if you happen to be somebody that is just transferring, you got you have to sit out of here. Waiver. I mean, is there an absolute legit reason for a waiver? Sure, there's an absolute legit reason for a waiver, and there are a bunch of ones that are just, as far as I'm concerned, like right, where you look at it and go, really, and move on. I don't blame anybody for trying to get a waiver. I'll, t- I'll give you a basketball example. I mean, Isaiah Brockington, they looked to see if they, he could get a waiver to play, and they said no. Okay, that's fine. They had to sit out this year, he'll play next year. Okay, that's the way it is. But it's the waiver part to me that bothers me. That part I'm not enamored with. Because that to me, the waiver part is the free agency part of this. All right, we'll take a break. And all sports are different. Football and basketball transfer rules are different, for example, than wrestling. I, I can't recall any wrestlers sitting out. I think the wrestling rule is you can transfer and wrestle right away, I believe. And there are some sports that are like that. Football and basketball are not, unless you get a waiver. I mean, you're telling me that Shea Patterson, I mean, look, I don't care if he, he played, he played, I got it. But Shea Patterson deserved a waiver for what? But his advisor helped him get it. What does a college player need an advisor for? What do you need? What does a college player need an advisor for? 
They're not earning any money to invest. <laughs> They're not negotiating a contract. What do they need an agent for? I don't get that part either. We'll come back with more in a moment on News Radio 1070 WKOK, brought to you by Brewers Outlet. Party time, game time, or just fun time. Doesn't matter what time it is, because it's Brewers Outlet time. The Beverage Supermarket has the area's largest beer selection, imports, microbrews, ciders, and domestics. Pick from over 100 ice-cold 12-packs and dozens of 24-ounce singles. Soda, snacks, hot sauces, fresh roasted peanuts. Make it one-stop party shopping, and don't forget the pickle bar. So whatever you're celebrating or just doing it up, Brewers Outlet, Reagan Street, Sunbury, wants to see you. And thank you for your years of patronage. When it comes to car buying, there's the other guy's way, and then there's the SMC way. The other guys force you into a vehicle you really don't want. The Sunbury Motors way lets you take the time you need to browse, ask questions, and take the test drive and think on it. For over 100 years, the Merth family and all their employees have made your experience the most pleasant one you'll ever have. The other guys won't offer you the best price for your trade, no matter how much they say they will. The SMC way is their promise to provide you with the most money the market shows your vehicle's worth. The SMC way is to offer you all applicable factory rebates on new vehicles and generous discounts. Looking for a pre-owned vehicle? The SMC Way checks each vehicle in a 200-mile radius to determine the lowest price, then beat it. It's the lowest price promise, just part of the SMC Way. The choice is up to you. The other guy's way or the SMC Way. The SMC Way wins every time. Sunbury Motors Company in the North 4th Street Auto Plaza, Sunbury, and at sunburymotors.com. Selling more cars and satisfying more customers for over 100 years. Taking your calls at 800-795-9565. This is the Steve Jones Show on News Radio 1070 WKOK. Now from the Sunbury Motors Studio, here's Steve Jones. All right, Sunbury Motors, 4th Street in Sunbury. Sunbury Motors, Q, routes 11 and 15 in Hummel's Wharf. Great to have you with us on the show today. Brought to you by Brewers Outlet, Reagan Street in Sunbury, the beverage supermarket. Imports, domestics, microbrews, best selection of beer anywhere. Great specials between now through Tuesday. Miller Highlight 30 packs, $14.95. Straub 12 pack can, $7.97. Wine coolers, water, soft drinks, snacks. They roast their peanuts fresh and hot every day. And all together now, the pickle bar led by the barrels and the dills happens to be second to none. All at Brewers Outlet, Reagan Street, and Sunbury, the beverage supermarket. All right, let's get to recruiting now and bring in Greg Pickle, PennLive.com, Patriot News. Hello, Greg. A lot to talk about. Great to have you with us. Yeah, we're off to a roaring start, Steve. Hey, it's good to be on with you guys and uh, and talk about Penn State uh, football and everything else. Uh this is obviously changing times and times where people need to adapt in college football. What has that meant for what you do? And have you had to make some changes as to how you think about college football and what have you had to do to adapt to what is all new for everybody? Yeah, it's an interesting question, Steve. I think that obviously, you know, the one big change is is the transfer portal. We all know that. And, And the fact that some guys are putting their desire and plans to transfer out there into the, the public space. Some guys are not. And then some guys' names are getting out there, you know, even though, as James Franklin noted on Wednesday, the transfer portal is supposed to be a private document and obviously is making its way around to many people. So names are getting out there, and it's an interesting time. I mean, some guys, like Lamont Wade, will go into it and then come back out of it. A majority of the guys will decide to transfer, but it is interesting. I mean, 
you're used to covering recruiting from the high school perspective, and now we're covering it from not just the high school players, but of course also, you know, guys that are looking to use the grad transfer rule. Maybe it was intended, maybe it was intended, but either way, move to a new school without a year, you know, without sitting out a year and losing eligibility. So, you know, I think ultimately it will change a lot about the college game because recruiting, like I said, is almost always been exclusively to high school kids save for you know um the handful of guys that might transfer at any given time and now you know not only are coaches having to re-recruit just about everybody on the roster at least you know anyone that starts thinking they might want to go elsewhere re-recruit those guys as coaches and then go out and recruit grad transfers and of course you know we follow that stuff very closely so yeah it's an interesting time i mean there's so many rule changes going on and and things that you know people want to talk about there's a lot of on the field stuff and of course right now we're talking mostly about off-field stuff but uh, college football is evolving and is adapting. I have no doubt that James Franklin and Penn State will be able to do that as they need to to continue trying to take the next steps forward. But without question, uh, the last couple of years, just think about recruiting alone. We have a spring official visits now. We have a December signing day now. We have uh, obviously still and always have had the February one. But there's just so many different things that go on just in the recruiting area that we don't even get into. Uh, you know the transfers, which is one one thing that what James Franklin brought up with agents and, and you know being able to talk to players all throughout the program. You know, there's just so much that has changed, and technology has changed so much that whoever adapts the quickest will obviously win. And Penn State is going to try and do that as quickly as they can, I'm sure. All right, um, on the recruiting front, uh, in the second signing period, Penn State did the bulk of its work, like most other top programs, in the early signing period with 19. Uh, signees in the second signing uh, grouping that they announced on Wednesday. How well did Penn State do? Oh, I think that obviously they probably could have done and would have liked to have done a little bit better. You know, there were some guys out there, Doug Nestor, the four-star offensive lineman from West Virginia, at one point was committed to Ohio State. I think Penn State probably thought chances of flipping him, and he did end up flipping, but not to Penn State, but to Virginia Tech. So he was a guy they were hoping to get, Jaquay Searles, the uh, defensive tackle in Florida. Uh, they had hoped to pick him up, of course. He's now going to attend South Carolina. Brett Feather, the tight end, same thing. They had hoped to get him. He's going to Georgia. So they had some guys on the board that I'm sure they thought at one point they might be able to get that they did not. Still waiting on Nick Cross, the Maryland four-star safety, has yet to decide if he's going to flip from Florida State to Maryland or Penn State or somewhere else. So that's still up in the air as well. So I think that they're probably fairly happy with the close. Obviously, T.J. Jones, I think, was the big target uh, heading down the stretch here, and Jarrett Parker gets his first recruiting win as a Penn State coach, and Jaylon Sider continues to, to recruit Florida at a high level. And then they picked up a couple other guys, too, you know, Joseph Darkwa, Smith, and then Hart, the late offer, and so I'm sure they're happy with this lead. There's a, a guy out there that they, they wanted badly that they weren't able to get. But all in all, you know, I think when you look across the class, the group they signed on the second signing day, uh, it certainly was, you know, one of the ones that, that were typical to schools across the country. Not only that, but along the way, they've had, obviously, for the lack of a better term, junior days, where they've had 25 to 35 uh, underclassmen in high school coming in. Does it seem to you that they're doing the job of forming a foundation for 20 and 21 by what they've done in those areas? Yeah, I lost you for a minute there, Steve, but I think I got most of your question. Yeah, that's another thing that's changed 
on this recruiting calendar. And Andy Frank talked to us back after the first signing day is, you know, you put 85%, 80-85% of your 2019 class aside, you still have some of that left to fill. And then beyond that, you're turning your attention to, to 20 and 2021 or 2022 or just to be generic, you know, those freshman, sophomore and junior guys that are out there. So you're always looking for something during these evaluation periods. You might not be looking for a need necessarily at this spot or that spot in the 19 class in January, but you're surely looking down the road. So Penn State did a nice job recently, doubled their 2020 class size with uh, Josh Moat in the corner out of Maryland and uh, uh, the Jacobs, uh, Curtis Jacobs, they were able to pick him up too, linebacker. So, you know, those are two very good gets. They get 20-21 started with Dante Thornton, the receiver. So, yeah, good start so far for Penn State in the 2020 class. I was just taking a little bit closer look at what's coming there so far. And, you know, this the one thing that jumps out at me is Penn State's recruited linebackers tremendously over the last couple of years. And Brent Pry and his staff have really done a good job of identifying top targets and closing them. Sometimes they're obvious, like a Micah Parsons, and sometimes maybe they're not, like a Jesse Lucada. But Penn State's had success in both areas. Now they have two really talented guys in Jacobs and uh, Derek Wingo in the boat. There's a handful of regional guys left out. They have for the kid down at Woodbridge is a five-star. Uh, Mikhail Sherman and D.C. is a five-star. So uh, there's an outside chance that I think, Steve, this could be Penn State's best recruiting class yet at linebacker under James Franklin. It won't be an easy fill, of course, but uh, you know, these guys are looking at schools all over the country. But if they're able to pull it off, the talent they've amassed at that position so far could actually become better if everything goes the way they want it to in 2020. Trends uh, are important to follow, obviously, when it comes to anything, including recruiting. And Penn State went outside of its uh, base area this year, getting into Florida and some other places, to get the best class they could. Regionally, though, when you look at New Jersey, Pennsylvania, and Maryland in the upcoming year. Is it a stronger group than we've seen in a couple of years? Yeah, there's no question about it. I think James Franklin might have touched on that on Wednesday when he was asked to talk about what's in the region. And look, it's cyclical. There's no question. You know, this Pennsylvania is not always going to be Florida. What I mean by that is Florida, you're almost guaranteed to have 10, 15 really super talented guys that schools from all over the place are going to fight for. Pennsylvania, you know, it's going to go up and down. You're going to have years where you have uh, a very top-heavy group, and then you're going to have years where you have a couple guys at the top, and then, you know, maybe a smattering of guys in the middle that are mostly uh, being fought over by, you know, regional schools, Penn State, uh, you know, Syracuse, Boston College, Virginia, that type of thing, not the national powers that we, you know, we see Penn State fight a lot for on the recruiting trail. So last year was one of those years, and this coming year, I mean, every position group almost down the board, you can find Mid-Atlantic guys at the top of it. And obviously Julian Fleming, the number one receiver in the country, is right in Penn State's backyard at Southern Columbia in their 2020 class. So, yeah, this is a very strong group. I'd have to go back and do a little bit more research before I feel comfortable calling it the strongest uh, group of regional recruits that James Franklin and his staff have gone after during their time at Penn State. But I have to think it's at worst two or three, and it probably could make a a pretty strong case to be at the top of the list in terms of the talent base that they've been able to recruit from in the 350, 600-mile area radius from campus. So, yeah, no doubt they need to do a good job in the area here. But, again, the the, the other factor is that other schools recruit the Mid-Atlantic, and they come from all over the place. So you're not just fighting the 
you know, the, the other regional powers, you're fighting programs like Clemson and Georgia and Alabama and, and you know, Michigan and, and Ohio State, of course. They come in and, and are able to get recruits out of the, the region and, and Pennsylvania every single year. So I'd throw Notre Dame in that category as well. So time will tell, but uh, they certainly have um, a tremendous group uh, within the region here that are guys that can make it to campus within four or five hours, and that's the group they can clean up on. And not every year they'll be able to do that, and maybe, you know, the Mid-Atlantic make up 12 or 13 uh, of the class, but that's certainly a possibility this year. I think it's been 17 years since I can remember the first guys that uh, entered early. Uh, and for Penn State, it's happened here for over 15 years. It may be a guy here or a couple of guys there or maybe three. Last year, I think it was, what, five or six last year that came in early. I thought the trend would accelerate in the direction we're seeing now. I thought it would accelerate sooner than this, Greg. Ten, twelve years ago, I thought we'd be seeing ten or eleven guys come in. But what does it mean to have 14 early entries right now, 11 of them being uh, from the uh, December recruiting class? Yeah, I mean, it's extremely important. The earlier you can get those guys in, the earlier they get to work with Dwight Galt, the earlier they get to go through spring practice and drills and all that type of stuff. And the further along they are come summer training camp. Now, it doesn't have to be, you know, every single guy doesn't have to be like that. And it doesn't mean if you come in early, you'll play, just like it doesn't mean if you don't come in early, you won't. You know, I think Jahan Dotson's a good example of that. But at the end of the day, the more these guys you can get in early, the better for two reasons. Number one, they can help you sooner. But number two, you don't know how long they're going to be here. As we saw, five guys going to the NFL and, what, 11, 12, 13 guys deciding to transfer even though they had eligibility left. Uh, you're going to see more and more movement, like we talked about earlier in this segment, of guys looking around, seeing if there's somewhere else they can go play, seeing if there's a place they can start, and so on and so forth. So you better make sure you can get out of them what you think you're going to get out of them. And that doesn't have to be starting, and it doesn't have to be reserve reps. That can be practice reps. That can be scout team stuff, you know. All of these play an important role, even if they're not the guys that are mostly on the field on Saturdays or, in the rare case, Fridays. So, you know, I think that the more of these guys you can get in, the better, because you just don't know anymore how long they're going to be there. Today, a guy staying four and five years, it's not over, but I think we're going to start to see a majority of guys in three years maybe look to move on, maybe look to go to the NFL. So that number keeps going, growing and growing, which means – the more guys you can get in early, the better. Not just because you know you get maybe have them play earlier in the first year, but if they're a guy that needs to play, you know maybe a year, year and a half to play, you can cut off that half year before their first season even begins. Greg, thanks so much. Appreciate your time as always. All right, always a pleasure. Have a good weekend. All right, Greg Pickle, PennLive.com, Patriot News. Back with more in a moment. Brought to you by Brewers Outlet on News Radio 1070 WKOK. It's interesting. Penn State, in all probability, is the better tournament team, but Ohio State might be their better dual-meet team. We'll find out tonight. Uh, And there is a difference between the two. Anybody that knows uh, college wrestling knows uh, that uh, I am not uh, making that up. Uh, That sometimes you can be the better dual-meet team, but the other guy is the better tournament team. Penn State's the better tournament team. We'll find out tonight if they're the better dual meet team. Well, this will be interesting because Roman Bravo Young, iffy at 133, Shakur Rashid, we don't know. Don't know. 
But yeah, we'll yeah this is the first time in quite some time Penn State wrestling fans could be concerned with the overall outcome because some of the matchups can go either way. I mean, you're talking what, seven, eight bouts. Well, you know what's interesting really about Penn to be on, let's be honest about Penn State season so far, and they can't help this. They cannot help this. For some reason, there are certain guys in the Penn State lineup that have not faced many ranked wrestlers this year. Have you noticed that? They've been winning, but even, for example, Bo Nickel. Bo Nickel, he keeps going out every dual meet, and... He hasn't faced a lot of rank wrestlers this year. Yeah, there's only maybe each each dual meet. There's maybe been a a weight class where you got two guys that are ranked, maybe a couple times yeah. in dual meet. But yeah, that definitely changes yeah. tonight. Yes, I'm just saying that is um, just it's just interesting, and it's just the way it's happened. I mean. Because Penn State hasn't been ducking anybody. You're trying to put together a schedule besides your conference. That includes like Arizona State, Lehigh. I mean, the Lehigh thing is a traditional thing every year where you get some really good matchups. Except this time you didn't get any of them. You didn't get any of them. You know, remember the Parker kid, poor Parker kid for Lehigh's out for the year. Yeah, that was just. That was just rough timing, and, you know, the schedule's the schedule. Yeah, he had, what, four or five Lehigh starters out for that duel back in December. And the other part is this. Penn State is not getting a lot of bonus points lately. Great win over Michigan, right? Lee decision, Nault decision, Vincenzo Joseph decision, Hall decision. No bonus points there. Shakura receipt decision. But then you finally got bonus points in the last two. Bo got the got the pin, Kassar got a major. Right? I mean, they've been going through the last few dual meets that they've had. They have not been getting a lot of bonus points. I mean, Purdue, Indiana, now look, Wisconsin wrestled Wisconsin wrestled not to lose badly. But Penn State, I don't think there's any doubt they're the better tournament team. Because I mean they've got some big time scorers that can you know that can make such a difference in a tournament. Dual meet? We'll see. I mean, we'll talk to uh, Jeff Byers in a few moments. Talk to him in the next half hour. My concern, uh, last night, Penn State basketball, you know, a 21 to 1 run just crushes you, and then you come back from it on the road. You come back? Pat made a great coaching move. He went small, you know, because Caleb Wesson was in foul trouble, so he went small. It made a difference. Penn State, he also made the decision to get really ultra-aggressive in the one 2 2 quarter court with the trap. Josh Reeves played his best game of the season. He played his best game of a year last night. He was tremendous. Bolton missed the layup. You're like, oh. And he was crestfallen. Oh, my goodness. Even on the plane last night, uh, I mean, Raw was... It was crushing for him. You, you just see it. I felt awful for him. Uh, uh, I know some people are asking about the shot clock uh, when Lamar scored. Obviously, he let go of the ball when the shot clock had gone. So, I mean, that part wasn't in dispute. And this is something I've advocated in college basketball for years. I think college football should have it, too. I think a college football clock... 
Once you get under a minute, you go to tenths. I think a college basketball shot clock should go to tenths when it's under five like the NBA. There actually have been a couple of NBA arenas where Penn State has played in over the years where they have the shot clock. They can go to tenths, and it's invaluable. So last time when the shot clock was at one, I mean, we don't know if it's .4 or .9. I, I don't know. The game clock is in tenths. So the shot clock should be intense, too, once it gets under five. I mean, the game clock under a minute's intense. Your station for news, weather, business, and CBS Sports Radio. News Radio 1070 WKOK Sunbury and on WKOK.com.